to the Sound Talk podcast. I'm Stephen Kerrison and I run Tall Trees Audio Mastering here in Liverpool. Uh, I'm also in Liverpool. I'm also called Stephen and I'm at what studio? Sound Talk is a podcast for each episode. We, the Stevens, will be chatting to a special guest who we respect and admire about their journey into audio, their approach and working practices and all things to do with sound. Today's guest is Sharon Fortnum. Sharon has been a member of or guested with a whole pile of amazingly creative and diverse bands over the years, including North Sea Radio Orchestra, Led Bib, Lost Crowns, Lake of Puppies, The Shrubbies, and Cardiacs. Hello. Hey. Hey, Sharon. Nice to meet you. Hi. Hello. Well, can I just start this by saying what a ridiculous idea it was to have me on your podcast? Why would that be, Sharon? Well, because you, it's about production. Oh. and recording and and <laughs> i really have no skills in this department whatsoever from where i'm looking it looks like you've got a sweet little setup i've uh, got a little i have look i have got a setup your studio stephen kerryson looks like mine yes see mine but i'll show you it it's <laughs> i call it a kabudia oh because it's actually i don't know what that was because it's actually a cupboard. I don't know if you can tell. Can you tell from there? Oh, yeah. It's oh, a cupboard. A bit of inspirational art in the middle there. Uh-huh. Oh, that's my son. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a prolific artist, my little boy. And now this is the truth. Um, but um, I don't do anything flash with it at all. It really is just for the purpose of... Um, recording bit quite basically to be honest because i don't have the time to learn how to do it proficiently i would love to if i had all the time in the world i'd go back to university Mm. and and probably learn all about the science of sound and dig it so are you uh is this your first foray into recording yourself since you could buy four tracks, yes. Okay, yeah. So you've been doing a long time then. <laughs> well, I stopped writing for about 15 years and then started again. Okay. And I, at first, I couldn't remember what I'd written. <laughs> so I had to start recording it. Otherwise, none of it would be recorded at all and I would just be... You know, doing it old school, like rehearsing with a band, which obviously you can't do at the moment, really. And um, getting someone else to record it, which I still plan to do. So um, you're kind of means to an end recorder. Totally. I mean, I can remember things a bit better now because I've been writing now for about a year and a half. But at first, I, I just couldn't remember what I'd written. And I used to record onto my voice memos and then accidentally <laughs> delete them and be like oh no it was that one uh, because I've got a little boy running around all the time and so what, what, you, you, you record you record something and they're saying mom mom can I have some toast and you're like ah. what are you working towards Sharon what are you actually writing an for? album I want to make an album um but I want to record it with a producer 
I want to work I want to work creatively with someone else who has those skills uh, rather than having to go on a really steep learning curve in a short space of time. You know, it could be steep like that. So this is time <laughs> curve. But at the moment, for me to get where I need to be in time to do the actual recording, it would be more like that. Okay. And that, and that just, just, I think that would mean like hair falling out. <laughs> And yeah. fingers, fingers nibbled. I think a lot of the um, like people, I think a lot of people struggle with the barrier between like you know wanting to um, wanting to express a creative idea, and then you go right, I'm going to record it, and then oh no, I can't remember how to turn this on, and I can't remember how to get a signal, and then it's gone. Do, I can do, you... do that. So I'm you feel a bit proud. I can do that. I'm not. I'm not a complete numbnuts. Oh, perfect. Well, I mean, that's uh, like. That's the majority of the battle, I think. Right. <laughs> no, I can do that. I mean, you, you might laugh when I send you the audio of this. But uh, I use the settings on Logic. I'm on the uh, voiceover EQ right now. With, uh, being a iPhone user myself, and other phones do exist, uh, we're on the year 10 of having them now. So my voice memos, you know, that you... Because you're, mm. I mean, and I'm sure we're all in a similar place. Everyone's but must have so many voice memos of ideas that I can't. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've still never gone right. I'll just spend a week and go through them and see, see what golds in those hills. Yeah. But, 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 and I know now and again I do flick through, and you just go, mm. and it's there's well, the odd little one. But there must be gold in these hills. There must be. <laughs> I'm not sure because I did get around to doing that a little while ago and a lot of things were deleted like oh like that <laughs> my mine are often like it's like kind the of, of your own shit do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh God, yeah. mine are often like a little whistling thing that I when I listen to it oh. I think it's just fucking atonal it doesn't even have a or I'm because I'm obviously doing it like in a shop doorway Somewhere where I'm trying to be shy or something, so I'm going, ooh, 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 ooh. and I'm like, what is the tempo? I don't even know the pull. I can't tell what this is. I've got yeah. thousands of them. Like I had one like that where I was clearly trying not to wake up the rest of the house, and it just sounds like this. It just sounds like, I kept that one for laughs. Have you seen the voice memos? Is is amazing. I don't. I, I wouldn't have. When I when I started writing again, it really was starting again from scratch because I was writing on my bass and I also hadn't played my bass for 15 years. And when I started playing it, it actually felt harder than when I when I first picked a bass guitar up when I was like 17. Wow. And for a little while, I felt like I was playing catch up. Oh, I couldn't play. And then I thought, and suddenly, and I'm really glad this happened. I thought, no, starting again is a good place to be. You're going to have all those happy accidents you used to have when you couldn't play. And that's exactly what happened because I would just get on and do this thing where, because I really honestly couldn't really play. Um, and my hands would hurt after about half an hour. It'd be like, ah. Uh, and pressing down and the whole, you know, needed to build my calluses and everything. And and the delay between an idea in my head and being able to play it. And if it didn't happen within five minutes, it was a different song by then because I'd missed and gone there instead or whatever. Um, so uh, 
that's exactly what happened. I just started writing with just all accidents, frankly, and pretending I could play. And just get, no, I'm not joking. I'd just get on and be like, I can do this. Da, 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 and be like, I quite like that. And then I go with it. That, that's music, isn't it? That's what you do. You get up there, peacock around a bit, sit down. It's someone else <laughs> <up again. laughs> Peacock around. Yeah, a little go of that. Um, there's a band from Leeds years ago called Tigers, and they had a song called You Don't Know Shit About Posing. I always thought that was such, like such a prominent, yeah, yeah, it's good, Dan. And they did, they knew about the pose. Um, so does your you said me- mentioned bass there? I didn't understand you were a, um, a, a, a bass player. Yeah, it's not that time. I'm doing the Mark King, of course, because that's the international. Right, okay. Playing, but I haven't brought it upstairs. But mine's a it's a handmade. It's made by a friend of mine called Bert Preston. Hmm. He um, he did a course in Leeds actually, and I lived in London, and I was I was back up in Hull visiting friends and he brought his latest creation round and it's a, a cherry red I always wanted a cherry red guild base my first base was a guild uh, uh, but he'd made a cherry red SG copy and he passed it to me to try out and I played it and I was like oh you've really excelled yourself this time and he said happy birthday I love people like that. <laughs> incredible <laughs> gift. I was, yeah, I, I kind of felt the need to give it back uh, immediately. It was just like, that's too big. Uh, but but then I wanted it, so I kept it. <laughs> Lovely. Amazing. Yeah. I always think there's a direct correlation between bass playing and a good melody because of the monophonic quality of it and the fact that they usually kind of often... They're very different sometimes, and you can kind of really they're, they're the easiest way to imagine something going somewhere. I think. Do you think that comes across in some of your work, in your singing work and bass playing? Are they connected? Definitely, um, because it's the instrument I write on primarily. I don't always play it like a bass. Yeah. Sometimes it's played more like a guitar, and sometimes like a piano. In fact. I've written things on the piano and then transferred them to the bass. And I feel like with some of the things I've written, most of them, in fact, um, it's hard to do one without the other because they're so interlocked. Yes, yes, yes. It leaves a lot of space when you work with bass and vocal as well, I think, because you've got that third missing and you can go anywhere you fancy with that. Well, it's amazing for the stuff I'm writing is for bass and three part harmonies primarily. Ooh. And um, there's so much space in there. Mm. That's my favorite thing about it. Which I have a friend, it? Emily Jones, and she is a singer songwriter. She writes on the guitar. Her songs are really psychedelic uh, and uh, beautiful. But the thing that gets me about her music is how much space is in there. And I remember chatting to her and saying, I, I, I want your space. And her looking at me like, you can't have my space. <laughs> Get your filthy hands off my space. And uh, we're really good friends. We were laughing about it. But I, I, I often have her in mind uh, because it's really important. And the bass does allow for that, I think. And... Um, yeah, it leaves a lot of room for harmonies. 
generally what I've got is uh, a bass line and the three-part harmonies. I don't often come up with anything else, actually. Uh, and I was thinking just the other day, I was, I was driving along and I was thinking, I can imagine recording these songs and just getting the bass and the three-part harmonies down and then sitting back and then going in again. Yeah, rather yeah. than building a song and building it and building it and building it, just actually laying the basic song down. Because they're, they're intact, as far as I'm concerned, they're intact with just the bass line and the three harmonies. Um, so I think it would be a case of doing that and then sitting back and, and maybe deciding that some songs don't want anything else rather than just, just getting stuck in and putting the baubles on. I was explaining to my son today, we were listening to Rammstein in the car. As you do. And there's this little uh, guitar bit that just goes Eep! like this. And I was saying that the song itself is like the Christmas tree with the lights on. And I was thinking, so what would that little bit be? And he said, God, I'm doing the bird there. That's not what I meant. Uh, and he said, the baubles. And I was like, it's exactly it. It's a bauble. So I can imagine not putting too many baubles on too soon. Is this what you're working on, recording and planning of everything now? This is all coming to this project. Yeah. Is the title of this project? Oh. Well, <laughs> it was for years in my head, Pet COVID, but <laughs> Pet Crow now. Pet and also I think there's a band called COVID. I don't oh. think I can have it. The joke fallback was Buntek Lesbergals. And I really don't want to use that. <laughs> on the back burner, though. <laughs> I never thought I'd have to fall back on it. So yeah. I thought it could be as ridiculous as you like. I, I loved the bit where you're making up the names. It's the best bit. Oh, it's such a great, great yeah. bit of a project. Yeah. It really is. But you need a typewriter, I think, for that. I have to get mine out of the attic. <laughs> Are you um, considering these particular recordings... <clears throat> Well, you've kind of answered it in some ways. Are you considering that they may be a lot more layered with more dense instrumentation later on, or, or are you considering keeping the stripped things? No, I'm not strict at all. I'm never strict. But I only have me, and I'm a singer, obviously, and a bass guitar that I can play well. I do play drums. Uh, that was what was oh. catching my eye. Uh, but I'm not proficient. Um, I can knock out rhythms on it, uh, on them, but uh, really, I, that's my focus is just vocals and, and bass. But uh, I collaborate on some of these. I have um, two guys doing the harmonies, and one of them is a, a keyboard player and a pianist and plays hurdy gurdy, um, and the other is a drummer. Nice combo. And multi-instrumentalists. And he, he sings the, the really high uh, harmonies. Um, and I'm really open to suggestions. Uh, it, I mean, there's a part of me that because it's been so long, it's like, this is mine. <laughs> uh, but that's not me at all, really. That's just a tiny part of me. It's about this, this that big. And I keep her over there because she's not helpful. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, um, I'm really, really open. And that's why I want to work with a producer as well, because 
I, I want I want their knowledge and understanding and creativity with sound. I want to be able to say, okay. And because when I when I'm recording, it's really basic. And I, I guess in some ways I know if the song works. If I record it in such a basic way and it still sounds good to me, then surely the song works for yeah. me, for yeah. my ears, yeah. uh, in terms of the choice of notes and things. Uh, but I but I really, really look forward to working with a producer and saying, okay, so when I wrote this song, I was thinking about this and I'd really like it to smell like this. And, and they have that whole bank of knowledge to bring to it and go, oh, it's this, 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 and this you need. And say some numbers and letters with some hyphens and I'm turning it up, you know, that sort of thing where they'll know which plugin, for example. One of your questions was, what's your favorite plugin? And I was like, I was gonna ask you about, <laughs> I don't use any. Where do I plug in? Where the bloody hell do I plug the thing in? Where does... <laughs> yeah, where, where do I plug in? Yeah. Bloody hell does um... <laughs> do you have a particular producer in mind or are you? I, do. I have a guy called Bob Dre. Do you oh, know him? of course, yeah, yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah, Bob Dre, and he's up for it. Sweet. And, and I really think uh, he will bring such magic to it. And and I've had lots of, I know him quite well, and I've had lots of conversations with him. And when I say, you know, sometimes you're having a conversation about music and how you feel and how you work and how you think when you're writing and you say something and you're like, no one's going to understand this. He'll be like, I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and you'll be in there with him you know digging yeah. and I thought it has to be him because he will understand when I say oh you see that over there when the sun sets I was saying this to Stephen the other day when the sun sets there like that through that tree can we can we do that yeah. somehow I want it to sound like that yeah he'll be I think he'll be able to do that I think he'll be like sure and just it'll be like yeah it's, it's the old beef art analogy isn't it where he comes in throws his keys down and says to the drummer play that beat <laughs> Yeah, John, I am that asshole. Yeah, and John French has to. I think like Bjork said that about working with um, uh, working with Matt Moss. She was saying that that the reason why that worked so well is because they could talk about sound in completely abstract ways, and they just understand what each other were saying. I think that's really uh, that's yeah. It's well, this is my dream because I have no other way of talking about sound. Sure. I really, I really don't. It's all about when I'm writing, for example. Um, I, I, I often sit down. I'm disciplined, and I'll sit down and play. Even, even if I don't have an idea, I'll just sit down and play, or I'll rehearse the songs I've already written. Because, like I said, I've only just started playing again. So really, I've only been playing for a year and a half. That's how it feels. So I have to keep playing. Uh, and if for some reason I can't, I mean, it just all goes to crap. So I have to keep doing it. And um, when I've got a song on the go, um, I, I know when I've written it, when the feeling I've got inside is in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it's like, it's like there's a little portal going like straight to the guitar or something. And, uh, and sometimes I'll be writing a note and I'm like, no, 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 that's not it. That is not the feeling. That does not connect to it. It's like tersely from my belly. Um, and there's just a sensation in my belly. And it's totally abstract. So I, I have no idea how I would communicate that 
unless I really, you know, had explained the sensation itself and the feeling and the reason for writing it. I mean, there are really solid reasons for writing these tunes. Nothing Ooh. comes from nowhere. When you write, are you you mentioned the piano. You, is that your usual tool to sit and play on as well as the bass? Or? Oh, my goodness, no. No. The only reason, <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I did that one day was because I just had got to a point in my relearning I felt that I wasn't doing anything new. I felt like I was falling into the same pattern. Because I, I love the patterns. There's the thing for me, the patterns. You and I still haven't exhausted some of them. They're just repeated and repeated, but in different places. Because they feel nice in, your, in my hands. Um, but I felt like I'd reached a point where I wasn't moving anywhere. I'm not obsessed with moving forward at all. Just wasn't moving anywhere at all. So I thought, well, get on the piano. Because I had one then, I haven't now. So I got on the piano and something came, something really simple, and it felt nice under my fingers. And and then I put it straight on the bass afterwards, and it was open again. There, off I went. Okay. So it really is for that purpose. I was given this by my friend Sarah uh, Jones, who used to be in Cardiacs. And this is my, <laughs> this is what I play when. Um, if I need, if I have a little tune to go in a song that's not written on the bass or the vocals, then I play that. Because I'll, I'll write the bass line and the melody at the same time. It totally works together. You know, I was saying to you before, like the two, they're not independent. They really are often so, doing this or yeah. that, but they're working together usually. And that's the, because the songs work just that way as well. I can do it solo. Nice. And I wrote them to, to do it solo, really. Really good. I just wanted to do a quiet project. Uh, and secretly um, away from everything else that I do or other people. Because, you know, I know a lot of people who are an amazing, amazing musicians and composers. And I just thought, I'm just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've hidden well, the public anyone, anyone could be like, play it, play it for me. I'd be like... Well, I mean, if someone said to me, oh, there's, there's this new album and it's like a bass, three-part harmony, an occasional little bit of recorder that may or may not be in C, I'd be all over it. Like... <laughs> I'd or even I'd, in tune. I'd, I'd think, like, I'd be in. Throw it on. Yeah. <laughs> this is what frightens me, because I haven't told many people what I'm doing, but when I tell them what it is, when people ask and I tell them what it is, people are like, and that makes me a bit, oh, yeah, actually, it makes me a bit like, okay, well, you know, I've never done anything by myself before, and there are people like, come on then. And then that frightens me. Yeah. I just, I almost want to creep in quietly and see what. So do you have a background in vocal work in like choirs or things like that? Do you have, is that something you've. No. No, I just always sang. I'm from a family of singers and I always sang. Um, and Abba was the key thing. That's how I learned to sing, really. Mm. Singing ABBA, Simon Garfunkel and the Beatles, really. They were the teachers. Um, but I like singing in that style. Uh, I do like the... Well, in North Sea, for example, generally, for me, I'm trying to sort of channel on my inner choir boy. So I like that sort of 
singing. I like that style. I don't like opera. I can't, I just can't deal with the vibrato. <laughs> can't cope with it. The notes are really good. But the vibrato just kills me. We've got amplification now, people. We don't need to project. Do you know what I mean? It's a little eggy, I find. You know, it's a little too eggy. I, I, I've seen one opera and I, it was incredible. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm with you. Who was it? Which composer? It was Turando. Oh, right. Um, okay. Which was like, it was, it was amazing. Like, it was an incredible experience. But yeah, mm. it's like, uh, it was, it was a bloody big room. They could have done with some mics, really. Right. I think. Right. I saw, I, I saw Benjamin Britten. I haven't seen many, uh, but my father-in-law took me to see Peter Grimes. Mm. And that was just utterly sublime. Mm. I love Benjamin Britten. But again, you know, amplification is here. <laughs> so we can we don't have to use quite so much vibrato. You asked me a question. Ooh. It was about oh layering the vocals. Mm. Um I'll answer it. Okay. <laughs> if that's all right yeah. with you. Right. Yeah, if it's all right with you, I'll answer that one now. Um, and I was saying that the bass and the melody work together. And sometimes uh, the harmonies come through recording. I'm pointing over here. Did you notice that? Because that's my nice, that's my nice mic over there. Mm. Can you see it? We can just see the end just, of it. Just see the bottom of it. Yeah. Of it. It's a rod. Can you see it now? Can you see it? Oh, I can see it. That's nice. Tim Smith's mic. Whoa. Well, well, the chat box will be a light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but every time I use it, I feel really like... What does it smell like? Mics always have a smell. I'm going to smell mine. Oh. Smells like my fishing box where I keep it. Delicious. It smells delicious. <laughs> no, that's nice. It smells what? of sherbet lemons. Whoa. How about your, your Stephen? What does your smell of? Uh, mine's actually pretty neutral, which is amazing because it is old. It's got a big dent in it. Um, yeah. Why are you smelling our microphones? This is what a... we do. <laughs> we do this with every guest. This is what okay. happens when you interview someone for like a production podcast that has no production skills. We end up sniffing microphones. So obviously, one of the many things that happen when you sing is that you have to like have something to say. I find that the hardest thing. Are you a poet or a lyric writer, or is, or do you read a lot, or where does it all come from? How do you know what to say? That's all part of the same thing in the belly. Mm. And is this is this a collection of thoughts generally, or is it like I'm going to do it? Is that the discipline thing again, or? It just so many questions there in one little nugget. Well, three. It just all goes back to my belly, though, because um, it's dictating. I think it's instinct. I think that's what it is. You yeah. know how people say use your gut. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. I think it's uh, instinctive, and I think it all goes back to the um, not being able to play and having to start again. Um, so no layers of influence are, well, obviously influences, but no layers of 
learning skills or any of those things just just feelings and then writing it and then thinking what is that about actually in tangible terms less abstract terms and it normally dictates I'm I'm writing something in the moment though that is it's the hardest thing probably I've ever done and I really hope it's one of those things where it's the hardest thing you've ever done but it ends up being the best I have a feeling it's not going to be, which <laughs> would be really, really annoying. Yeah. But um, I, I started writing this song. Uh, it, it was about my relationship with my son, because it's hilarious to me. It might not be to other people, which is why it might fall flat, because <laughs> it's maybe too subjective. Um, but it ended up being really hard to write this song. And then it ended up being like two songs and with completely different tempers. And so one starts, and I think of that as my as my son because it's really like in there. And then the other one's a bit slower, a bit more considered. <laughs> but it's like I said, you know, and it's like sometimes, you know, he will let me speak, and then he'll be a bit like you can tell he's thinking, "Spare me the lecture, mummy." <laughs> and, that, and there are those moments in the song where it's like goes off and she's singing, and then it's like na 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 na, and it's like he's back in. It's like fuck you, God, <laughs> you know, let's make something. And so it's about, it, they're generally about something really tangible. And so I do really sit and think about the meaning of it. Um, and that, yeah, they're not, it's not a like, oh, words are just coming and I'm just writing. I wish it was like that sometimes because that's really nice, isn't it? Really freeing. Only. And just, you know, cut ups and stuff like that. Or play, I used to play on my typewriter a lot and write. Something uh, about the typewriter. I use typewriter as well. Whenever and I'm just if 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 I think to myself I need lyrics. If I sit on the typewriter, it's something about yeah. the ink and the paper that I think I've got to fucking write something actually. And I'll write something. It's, yeah, it, it doesn't. It really motivates. I don't know what. It that never is. disappoints the typewriter. It's in my attic. I can't. I can't reach it. It's quite frustrating. But I haven't quite needed it yet, but I did think about getting it out to make some band names because obviously I can't have pet COVID. But the typewriter never disappoints. It's like it's just sitting there. In my attic, it's sitting there and you can't hear it, but it's like a... Yeah, it's like naked lunch. It's waiting. Ten, the cockroach. Just waiting like all the time. <laughs> some intervention. <laughs> I guess that's the same principle as um, like picking up, you know, you're saying going to the piano, like going, picking up an instrument that you're not that familiar with to break out of uh, your own... Uh, Boredom. Yeah, rather habitual patterns. Yeah. Like, yeah, like tuning a guitar funny or, yeah, picking up an instrument you can't play, I guess. Writing some lyrics on something that isn't your phone. And I don't have a lot of time to write music, that's for sure. I just got around to recording a little bit the other day. So <clears throat> I have got that thing uh, that people must have had in the past where it was just in their heads the whole time. And you're actually slightly mentally ill with it. Yeah, it gets you loopy if you don't get it out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only reason I have recording equipment is because you do start to feel like you're mentally ill. What has been your experiences during all those insane bands you've been in? And what have you brought out from that to take forward in your own work? That's a big, big question. question. 
summarise in 200... That's a million. massive question. 300 characters. Well, I think we'll have to itemise that, won't let's we? Let's the bands. What are they? Let's list them. So we've got Lead Bib, Lake of Puppies, William D. Drake on his own, Lost Crowns, Shrubbies, Peck Covid, Cardiacs, Lossy Radio Orchestra. That's it, isn't it? Article 54... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we can start with Article 54. Let's start with that, yeah, because that's insanity. When we were recording the first one, the Brexit one, I was at Rodri's and we were recording and I was doing my disco diva and and all I could see was that, because he sort of facing the corner and I was behind him and all I could see was it. <laughs> he was laughing. Could you <laughs> explain to our laughing. listeners what this is, actually? <laughs> And, pardon? Could you explain to our listeners what Article 54 is? Uh, Article 54 is like a fake uh, group of musicians who think Brexit is a good thing and they're trying to convince you of the same. And through disco music. Uh, the songs, I love those songs. I think they're incredible works. And it was an absolute, I couldn't believe I was asked to do it. I mean, I was just like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to make a disco album. <laughs> and I was saying, when we were recording, I said to Rodri, this is like a dream come true. And he said, yesterday you were rehearsing with Led Bib and this is a dream come true. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, for me too. We're both so excited, so excited. But it is, it was a real, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I was a young child in the 70s. And so I was surrounded by those singers and those big women's voices and vibes. And it was great to, to open my mouth and let them out. <laughs> Which <laughs> singer did you have in mind? Who was the vocalist you had in mind as you were discovering? Oh, all kinds. I mean... At some points, I would be saying, um, oh, I think this needs to be a bit Shaka Khan, this one. But then some of them, it wasn't just women. It'd be like, oh, it's a bit Michael Jackson, this one. Uh, mm. You know, and I'm not an aficionado on this stuff, but um, but I would listen to the track and then I would hear a distinctive voice from the past and just think, okay, I'm just going to channel her and see what comes out. And But it was the most fun you could have as a singer. I, I, you know. Very different from your, your normal vocal work. Disco with big vibrato and scraping the pan. You know, I do some real, yeah. It's, it's like a massive vocal workout. It's getting all the stuff out that I'm not going to put into my music, basically, <laughs> in many ways. But um, such fun, such fun. And uh, Rodri's, uh, partner Susanna um, it turns out her voice and my voice I just absolutely love them together they, I just I love singing with that woman so that was a real um, turn up for the books there were so many bonuses from doing that but I think um, in terms of what have I got out of the different bands I've worked with um, I have to talk about Led Bib there this is this 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 is from the Leadbib film. This mm. purple cube. Mm. There are lots of these in the Leadbib film because the album we made. Uh, there was a film commission to go with it, and when we perform it, we play along to the film. And there's a VJ um, doing live edits and things. It's really good fun and and different every night, which is brilliant. 
uh, because they're crazy improvisers. And so it is different every night, basically. And my, it was it's a completely different thing for me. It, it really changed me fundamentally. I'd gone from um, spending many years being a voice for North Sea Radio Orchestra and taking direction. So like working with cardiacs, um, really having people know exactly what they want from my voice. And then going to Led Bib. And I think Mark told me, I, I asked him, why, why did you ask me to do this? And he said, well, Steve Feigenbaum had suggested me. Mm. Um, and he'd listened to a tiny snippet of me singing and thought, yeah, this, this, is, this is who we want. And he was right because, I mean, when we chatted and then when I met them, it just felt perfect. Even though I was completely petrified, completely to the point... I owned up to it. <laughs> I, I just had to say, I, I can barely open my mouth to sing. I'm utterly, utterly petrified. I'm so far out of my comfort zone. I, I don't know where I am anymore. Um, but they liked what I was doing. And I whatever I did was responded to in the moment and recorded they just get on with it they just don't mess about it's frightening there's no writing and then recording and then doing another bit it's just like no they just do it that's amazing <laughs> and it's that because yeah. of the improvisational aspect that was like yeah but, but they can do that because because they're so in sync with one another and there's so much respect in that room. It's tangible, it's totally tangible. And for me to go into that was, was, was as I say, petrifying. But with that, there's a real comfort about them. And they felt confident in their choice, even though I didn't feel confident, they were confident in their choice. And it soon, you know, I, I felt like I, could be brave and do things and I ended up writing the lyrics which I wasn't supposed to uh, and it was completely inspiring and I was being trusted with this album basically um, and just so glad I did that it changed everything my whole attitude to writing and it's the reason I'm writing really is because they totally freed me up to do it. It's just a, it was the most amazing experience meeting yeah, them. Yeah, what an incredible thing to sort of have unlocked by that experience. Totally so unlocked by them, totally. That, you know, if it turns out this album's absolutely disgusting, it's all their fault. <laughs> <laughs> it was a non-collaborative experience. <laughs> No, but they're really generous. They're so generous. I mean, these guys have been nominated for like a Mercury and things, haven't they? They're, they're, yeah, they're... they got the jazz. Wow. I mean... They didn't get the overall, but they got the jazz. Wow. I mean, yeah. But when you when you see them working together, I was just in awe. It's like he, that one of them would be like doing a little solo, or they'd start doing a little, you know, a little thing, 
And then the other would just clock it straight away and start harmonizing. Like, how did you do that? It's like they're reading each other's mind, but that's jazz, I suppose. I think they get to that point where they can do it, but I've never experienced it. I've never been in that room. Yeah, I think improvisation is one of those things that I think is it's misunderstood by so many people it's just like oh you should make oh, just make it up in it when you actually when you actually are in the presence of people mm. genuine improvisers who really that's what they do it is something amazing to behold yeah. without a doubt well, well they'd be there'd be one part of a tune that they'd be playing and then it would just suddenly change and it would work and i was in my little booth just thinking <laughs> how did they just it's magical <laughs> it's just total magic but that's what comes they do know one another really really well and they can anticipate and preempt and that's what they're doing the whole time and it's just it's out of this world for, for me as someone who's just worked in, in quite um uh strict ways you know things set out with definite lyrics and definite melodies and can you sing it like this please um, to go into a room it was that's why it was petrifying mm. it was like well they're just waiting for me to do something and, <laughs> and I'm just gonna have to do something and nobody knows what it's going to be least of all me um, <laughs> but it worked so <laughs> amazing but, I guess I mean I guess that's kind of um, that's the fact that that did free up you know your kind of writing and things like that I guess because you've, like you said, the bands that you've been that you've worked with in the past, like I, I can't imagine there's much improvisation going on within none whatsoever. Or, exactly. So, like, to all of a sudden be thrust into that thing, I guess that does kind of knock your brain sideways and, yeah, make you think about things in a completely different way. Well, on top of that, of course, was the fact that well, I want I said originally when I spoke to Mark, I, said, I don't want to write the lyrics. I just want to come and sing for you. I can I can add something. And I will do my very best to make it beautiful, but I just don't want the extra pressure of writing lyrics because this is like my first thing since my boy was born. And it's quite a thing to go from that, like out into the world on my own, not with any of my friends, not with any of my cardiac family or anyone that knows, you know, none of that just like out into this other world. Um, so I said, I didn't want to write the lyrics. Um, but then when I turned up for the actual recording, we had one day rehearsal and then there was the recording. <laughs> I mean, it was just ridiculous. And there were no lyrics. So I That's had to intense. write the lyrics. <laughs> In three days, I think I did most of them. And then uh, we were going to record the vocals too in that same session. And I, I had to put my foot down and say, this is not fair. You can't do this to me. I'm staying up till five in the morning writing lyrics. Uh, I can't do my best singing for you on that amount of sleep. It's just not right. But they'd never had a singer. And uh, they were just gonna, they were just gonna bang through. Like, <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, I can play guitar for nine hours. Why can't you sing for nine hours? <laughs> yeah, but they were really good in that regard. They were like, oh yeah, you know, they, they, they yeah. They did realize that that is, it's a different uh, discipline, isn't it? And, and obviously everything affects your, your singing. So. Mm. But I was really happy with uh, what I came up with for them because, because I was under so much pressure as well. I just had to um, be efficient with my words 
And it's that kind of thing. Or sometimes when there's the pressure of a deadline, it's good for you, isn't it? Sometimes. How do you, do you think the, uh, what is the importance? Because you mentioned like going out on your own there. Do you mm-hmm. think ever been an importance or non-importance in a community, being in some kind of community to work as a, as a musician or as a producer or anything really? Do, 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 do you think it's important to have one around you? I think um, it's really good. And it's also, for me, um, possibly, I feel a bit, um, <clears throat> I think it probably has held me back quite a bit as an individual. It's been absolutely amazing being part of this community centered around cardiacs. I mean, you know, working with cardiac, working with Tim, um, doing Norsi, those musicians, um, Lost Crowds, you know, all my friends. They're just, they astonish me over and over and over and over again. And I feel totally comfortable around those people. I'm known, I'm under, in, in a sense of being understood. You know, if I'm a if I'm a nut job one day, you know, there's enough in the bank <laughs> to get over it. You know that sort of thing. Or if I, if, if, you know, if I get a bit drunk, or, which I don't do very often, but you know, all of those things where when you know someone really well, you can just be like, uh, I, you know, we have that in this group of people because we've known each other twenty or more years, um, and obviously, I took all of that to work with Leadbib, I took all of that. Everything I'd learned, I took with me. You, you don't, you know, leave anything behind. Um, but the actual act of um, not knowing any of the people I was working with, and the only thing I really did know about them was that they were shit hot. Man, I had to, I had to raise my game. And that was really good for me. So I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that without the bedrock of all these incredible musicians and friends uh, wishing me well. When they, when they knew I'd been asked, they were like, whoa, come on. You know, it was really, really sweet. Um, but it was really important to do that. Interestingly, uh, I've kind of been quite shy I'm not shy. You can tell I'm not shy, but I can be shy. I can be a bit shy. So, for example, Stephen, if you'd rung me three years ago and said, would you like to, I'd really like you to do some singing on this thing, I would have said, I don't think I can. Or something really lame like that and missed out on an opportunity. That's what most people do, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I had decided a week before I got the call, Actually, I got an email from Steve Feigenbaum first saying Mark Holub might give you a call. And then I had to, I didn't even know who Mark Holub was. So I had to go and look. Um, but the week before, <laughs> I had decided to say yes to things. And and so now I say yes, hence I'm doing this, even though it's like I, so I think, although the conversation is wonderful, I do think I should have said no, because I can't imagine what you're going to do with it. But... Um, <clears throat> Uh, saying yes is really, really important. Mm. Mm. But yeah, amazing to have all of those influences and to take that to something completely new. 
I think this conversation is actually going to be one of the more uh, important ones I think we have because because even though we've kind of centered it around um, like sort of audio and studio work and stuff like that, obviously none of that stuff means a thing without any sort of creativity to go into it. So to talk about creative process and to talk about inspiration and all that sort of stuff, I think's kind of, yeah, it's more important than talking about plugins, that's for sure. Well, you don't, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing with this equipment. I Obviously I do. Obviously I know where to plug the mic. I know to switch it from line to instrument. And I know not to have it peaking in the red because I'll only have to do it again. Um, basic things. I know when something sounds disgusting to my ears and I know when it sounds good enough. I know when I'm singing in tune enough for a demo and and how I'm going to have to improve it for the real thing. But that's really basic stuff. And it is, that's just about, it's, I'm just documenting. That's what I think I'm doing here in my little kabudia. I'm just documenting. Uh, it's, just, it's just like sketching lyrics, it's sketching. Um, it's not the real thing at all. It is just a means, a means to an end. Um, but it has, you have to be able to do that, I think. Definitely. Um, especially if you're busy, because you just forget. I do see some music paper there. Are you a music reader? What's that? That's interesting, because when you look at it, <laughs> on the other side, this is like my, my son's drum. Yeah, it's my son's drum tuition. He's, 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 he's had a couple of lessons, but then we got into a lockdown again. So uh, now he doesn't want to do it anymore. I think it's like early rebellion. He doesn't really want to be a musician. Oh, yeah. He just wants to be an artist. Wow, crazy. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Might get into the violin or something, rock and roll like that. Yeah, exactly. But w before he was born, we said, he's bound to be a musician, isn't he? <laughs> um, because he's from... Because it's not just Craig who is a musician. His mother's a musician and his gran was a musician. I'm from a family of singers. My brother's a multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. It's in his in his blood. And he can sing, actually. He, he, he's he got quite a sweet voice. Um, but we said, you know, if he wants to be um, a musician, he's going to need to learn to play something alongside that he can get paid for or train to be a plumber. Something like that. Both, man. Because then you'll be able to actually afford things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> whenever I think about, like, whenever I think about influencing my son and think about sort of the potentially him being a musician, I always think, I can't, I can't push too far. I just, I always think about George Harrison's son joining the army. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the biggest fear. I know. I'm just like, oh and man, if, that, is, if that's not an act of rebellion, I don't know what it is. Oh my god! But the, the, do you know what my fear is? Also, it's like because uh, he's he's my son, and I'm pretty laid back, and there are not there are not many things he can do that are going to really piss me off. Um, and he's surrounded by all these arty people, and it's all really cool for him. What's he going to do to rebel? Because I was like that when I was young, like everywhere. So I always joke that I came out of the womb going, this is shit. 
Um, and, uh, and so it's going to come out at some point. I'm really afraid that there'll be nothing to kick back at. And then, and then the, the army. I know there's like two things or the, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I just think, Oh God, that's, that's my worst fear. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just, yeah. And I think what we have to do is when they mention those things, just act like it's all cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love the army. It's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, good. Yeah, it can be good. You should good definitely do that. Yeah, and don't, don't go like because then they've got you, haven't they? Exactly. You know, they know then. I'm glad they don't have to deal with these mind games. Yeah. <laughs> too much. I couldn't read between those. Get in the way of music. Yeah, get in the way of my music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, um, is, is there air pad on your mic? Yeah. Cool. It did once yeah it's from the box of mics you know <laughs> we take our own mics out i'm not smelling someone else's mics when i'm away yeah you know, i've got I, my own mic i take one, my own mic with me you got to you got to once you get into once you realize it you're like oh, i'm taking my own mic man well i've only done it once i went to austria with lead bib in the summer we got to austria it was bizarre it's like the bar the borders opened we went to austria and then as we were coming back they were closing behind Ooh. us oh. it was really really amazing i Tough. felt special yeah. <laughs> um but i took my own mic and i thought how how can i do, do this that's you guys want to get yourself a neutral smelling one like this <gasps> yeah this one this smells new oh you're a 58 as well are you I yeah for live for yes. sure so, for recording it. it's the k2 oh it's a k and production speak there for you people that's the road k2 just for the recording the k2 gets everything that microphone gets your thoughts whoa I feel like it does. It gets everything. It's like every feeling seems to come out. It's bizarre. <laughs> and it's not mine, but it's like if anyone tries to get it, I would be like boarding up the door. <laughs> I see a shaky egg as well. Oh, I'm getting <laughs> A shaky egg is the most important um, percussion accoutrement you can have, in my opinion. I've got, the, I've got a range of them. You've got to have an egg, though. Mm. That's why I don't have any because I, I can I can see an addiction coming a mile off. So yeah, I haven't even bought one. Yeah, <gasps> you need one. It's the missing link in your life. Tambourines <laughs> are the same. If you have one tambourine, you end up realizing you need like four, five, six, or something. They're just oh. not quite right on that song. Or this. Only have one tambourine. Hang on. Don't start thinking about that. It'll <laughs> send you right off. I just got out. <laughs> Nice, kind of a rattler one. Uh, one, one on top of my, can you see it? No, I can see it, yeah. yeah. I, I, I got all these uh, little toys out from when my boy was little. Because I was telling you about this song where it's like me and him are like vying for time in the song. <laughs> and um, interestingly, uh, when he was really little, he used to love sitting in my car. And he must have been about 10 months old. And I came out of the house and he was always really sort of bright and funny. And I was coming out of the door and he waited for me and then he beeped the horn and I I jumped into the air and I've got a photograph of him just ending himself in the car. <laughs> it was all planned. And then so I feel I have to record that exact horn, but there's someone in the village has got the same car. I haven't got that car anymore. So I'm gonna have to be really humble and not mad at all, and say, can I record your... Can I come and what? record your car? This isn't weird, I promise. I'm sticking yeah. to your I'm, car, I'm beeping. <laughs> you know, I feel I've got to have it in the song. 
it's awful. This moment is coming and I'm dreading it because I will look like a complete freak. You could kind of stage it where you could just walk out with a recorder and just wait until they go off to work and then just walk out in front of them. Or I could just walk out in front of their car, which will elicit a beep. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> walk out in front of them. <laughs> you are with a beep recorder. <laughs> Spicy. Risking life for art. Hey, Unless you do a goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>